2: what up everybody welcome to the wrestling delorean podcast episode 261 i'm your host mike de niro we have a super stack show for you today we're talking about crown jewel talking about survivor series 1997 like we do every monday we're going back in time so since we have a doozy of an episode i had to bring on my boy today from the wrestling index and floor slapper sports tk tim king is in the building what up yo
3: Yo, what's good, De Niro? Thanks for having me back on the Wrestling DeLorean, bro. You sure as shit picked a banger for me to come back on, man. I'm excited to talk about all this stuff.
2: Most definitely, man. I am excited to talk to you about this shit because it's a lot to talk about. But before so we fun. get into it, I want to give a big shout out to my sponsors at manscaped.com. Make sure you put in the promo code 20 for 20% off site wide DeLorean 20% off. Get your get your you know, get your grooming needs, you know the fucking spiel. I'm too excited to talk about wrestling, so we're going to let that go right now. We're going to talk about WWE Crown Jewel, which was, in my opinion, a really good PLE. I know there's some people who have other opinions on it, but we'll probably get to that. So overall, before we get into like the match-by-match, overall, what did you think about Crown Jewel?
3: Yeah, I highly enjoyed it. I, I was on a watch along again, so I don't know if that like sways my my uh, opinions on the show, like to make it better. So we did it live <laughs> right here on Circle of Debate, um, on the YouTube yes, channel like. with with Ivan and Devin and Nick from the UW Pod. You know, we had a really good time. We watched the whole show, had a couple of drinks. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it from start to finish. I thought Logan Paul was absolutely phenomenal. Like I was so impressed with him. I understand where people are coming from when they say, like, how, why is Roman selling to this guy? Like, at first, I kind of was feeling it. But then, like, as the match started going and going, it kind of got not believable where Roman was going to lose. But Logan Paul got more and more believable as the match went. And then Jake Paul's appearance. And it made Solo look like even more of a badass. Like, he was the one coming after Jake Paul. So, that was really dope. I thought the, the presence of women on the show was incredible. The women's tag title match, which was a fucking banger. Probably a top three match of the night. Like, that was a dope match. The ending confused me. I don't know why they made the title change. But I digress. The match was a banger, dude. The women's title match, the last women's standing match. Well, again, very unhappy. Very unhappy with the winner of the match. The match itself fucking banged, dude. Yeah. And Rev Aja and fucking um, Jessica Carr were all over that show last night too they had a presence plus Rhea looked like mommy out there looking fucking incredible head to toe (laughs) so like the presence of women on there from start of the show to finish of the show i really really enjoyed that as well bray bray's promo was was good and fun um and the big guy is fucking slapped man braun and omas slapped and bobby and brock slapped so like i enjoyed the show so no i don't i don't think it was just because i was on a watch along as i talk it out out loud here I think the show is fucking a fun show.
2: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. Everything you said was pretty much my opinions. Um, I thought that overall, it was a very good show. And, you know, they've been going to Saudi Arabia now, I want to say, for about like three years, give or take.
3: And Maybe like five now, I think.
2: Yeah, it's probably going even further back, right?
3: Like 2017, right? Isn't that where uh, the Goldberg brace shit happened? I could be wrong. I, I, I don't believe.
2: Know, I... Yeah, it might be even five years. It feels like they just started this, but no, boy, I got to say, like, this this is probably, in my opinion, the best Saudi Arabia show. This show didn't feel like a throwaway show like a lot of them feel. This felt like it had a lot of stakes in the regular calendar year for WWE. So overall, I thought this was on par with some of the other pay-per-views that we've seen under the Papa H era. So I'm glad to, you know, say that it was not a throwaway. Usually I look at these crown jewels like, oh, you know, it's skippable, but this was actually really good. So that means next time they go to Saudi Arabia, I'm not skipping it. I'm excited for it. So definitely thought it was good.
3: Good, man. Good. Let me ask you before we get into match by match, and I'm sure we'll talk about it once we get there, but were you confused by the, like, EO and Dakota winning the titles back and then Bailey not winning the title? Did you think that Bailey was going to win? Or what what were were your thoughts on the results there? Oh, we can talk about it when we get into the matches. That's fine. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, I'll give you like, quickly, I, I definitely was confused. I personally didn't want Alexa Bliss and Asuka to even win those titles on Raw because I thought Damage Control should have held on to them. I don't want it to be, like, flip-flop back and forth. And I think that if Damage Control was going to win, I think I even gave you, like, my pick for, uh, what's called, when you asked for the picks. I thought Bailey was the right choice. You know, I love Bianca Belair, but, like, Bailey right now with Damage Control, all three of them holding that titles would be a powerful statement, but I mean, it is what it is. It's just that you, they, they're, they're playing with Bailey. They, they are playing with Bailey. Bailey is one of the best. And I think that she definitely deserves a shot at the title in the world championship, but I mean, we'll, we'll definitely get more in depth when we get there, but let's start off the show with Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. I was surprised when this was the first match. Like as soon as the show starts, I I watched it late last night, uh, celebrating my son's birthday yesterday. So I put it on afterwards and I got to say, I was a little tired, right? I was like, it was a long day. And then as soon as like the show goes on and I hear Bobby Lashley's music play, it woke me right up. I was like, oh, shit, we're about to get into this. Um, I thought it was a good matchup. I see people complaining about the finish. I think the finish opens the door for another matchup between the two. And I like the chemistry that these guys have. So I, I said earlier in the week, I think that it should be a trilogy. I wouldn't mind seeing this ran back at Royal Rumble. And then possibly a big blow off at WrestleMania. But this definitely opens up the door for that. It also opens up the door for Brock Lesnar being a babyface and Bobby Lashley being a heel with the post-match beatdown. But I like this. I think that it was cool that Brock won. I'm not hating on that. Eventually, I do hope, though, that Bobby Lashley wins the best out of three if they do go that route. Oh, yeah. Because I think Bobby Lashley will benefit more from this than Brock Lesnar, of course. He's not going to be there for uh, after this feud, I would say. So, cool opener, crazy matchup for, like, the five, six minutes it went. But what did you think about this?
3: Yeah, bro, first of all, happy birthday to your son for sure. Uh, Thank Hope you, you guys Thank enjoy the day. You. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Second of all, hell of a way to start the show. You want to get the crowd into it. What better way to get the crowd into it? Brock ain't got a main event, just like the WrestleMania when Seth took the belt off him. I think it was 35. Have Brock start – or 36, maybe. Yeah, 35. Have Brock start – yeah, it was 35. Have Brock start the show. That's the way to go. (laughs) And I don't hate the finish. Bobby Lashley beat the fuck out of Brock Lesnar for five or six minutes, all right? You don't see that ever. Bobby beat – the shit out of Brock. And it was fun to watch. Brock was selling like he was fucking Mr. Perfect out there. It was crazy to mm-hmm. see. You don't ever see it. And at the end of the day, when Brock Lesnar went ahead and he does the Bret Hart roll-up off, that's not a roll-up, but you know how Bret Hart climbs the yeah, up from it. Yeah, against, right? against Stone Cold, right? He did against Stone Cold. He did it against Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8 and won the Intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. Um, there were other times, he did it against Diesel one time. So like I, I called it the Bret Hart. Other people have done it. But you run up the corner, you abuse your weight, you lean out him, and Bobby's shoulders weren't down. I don't know if that was supposed to happen or if that's part of the, or, uh, you know, it just happened. But I like it. I like Brock winning. I was upset at first because I thought Bobby naturally wins and it's going to be Bobby versus Roman one-on-one for the title at Survivor Series because Bobby's, like, the trajectory for Bobby's been going that route. But yeah. I see War Games with the Bloodline maybe, Plus, exactly like you said, Brock winning now makes it 1-1 in their series. I don't want it to be Royal Rumble. I'd like to see these two fight each other inside the Royal Rumble. Kind of like old school Goldberg-Lesnar, how that happened, or uh, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels. You fucking have that match for WrestleMania start in the Royal Rumble. They fight at WrestleMania. Bobby gets his win and ends it. Um, So I dug it, man, for sure. I like that.
2: No, yeah, definitely. I like that idea of having them inside the Royal Rumble and not a match at the Royal Rumble. That's definitely true. And yeah, you know, you also mentioned something I want to talk about when we were giving like our brief like thoughts of the show. You mentioned the crowd being into it. This crowd was like any other crowd. They were chanting, holy shit. They were chanting, this is awesome. Um, There was a lot of fun crowd chants, which I didn't expect for this crowd. And it was really cool to see how much into the show that they were. So shout out to the Saudi Arabia crowd because they added to the show
3: for sure. Awesome um, crowd, dude. Awesome crowd for definitely.
2: sure. Next matchup, we have Alexa Bliss and Oscar versus Damage Control. This is for the women's uh, tag team titles. Um, like I said, I didn't want Alexa Bliss and Asuka to beat Damage Control on Raw and Windows titles because the flip-flopping back and forth is not something I like for uh, titles. It, it takes away from the prestige of the title. And if you're going to give it right back to Damage Control, then what was the point of even taking titles away from them? Um the finish was a little weird, but overall this matchup was a banger and I, I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I feel like EO sky and Dakota Kai have such great chemistry as a team. That's something that like, they weren't a team ever before this uh, damage control, like thing that they got going on. They were pretty much on the opposite ends of each other, like in NXT. So here they're a team now and they gel well together. And I think that they're going to be a dominant tag team going forward, but I didn't think that you need to flip flop the tag titles like this. But overall, the matchup quality was great.
3: Yeah, bro. I'm with you. The match, Bang, like I said uh, when I was talking about it a couple of minutes ago, definitely a top three match of the night. I have no clue why they flopped the titles on Raw. I was pretty angry about it, and I'm not going to lie. I was just like, what are you doing, Triple H? You are booking damage control like shit. I got into a, a, dis, you know, a discussion argument with the guys on I I shouldn't say circle debate guys, but on the watch along um, while circle debate was hosting it while we were doing the show, those three guys all said damage Control is pretty much trash and um, they have no chemistry together. And I vehemently disagree with it. I think that they're, they've been booked like trash and they're like, they're on TV all the time. Again, cool. You might be on TV all the time, but what's right is Bailey should have won the title from Bianca in the ladder match and damage control either should have been the rightful tag, tag team champions from start or once they took the belts off Raquel and Aaliyah after they had that, that shock effect factor, they should have kept it. They should have never lost it. Bailey and Dakota and EO should all have belts at one point. And the fact is, it's criminal that they haven't done this yet. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what the flip flopping is all about. But these girls are putting that fucking awesome fucking matches, banger after banger after banger. So if we're gonna see keep seeing different varieties of it, let's go. We're going to see it in war games. I'm sure we'll talk about it when we get to Bailey and Bianca. I don't see any other women's option other than damage control and Nikki Cross against team Bianca. I'm sure they're going to add someone on each side. I'm fucking all for it. But the question is that, well, we'll talk about it when we get to the fucking title match. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. I don't know why they flip flop back to damage control and fucking Bailey was going to win, but I fucking love the match. Absolutely.
2: Now I'm right there with you. We'll get to it when we talk about it, but I thought for sure, Damage control winning meant Bailey's beating Bianca. Like, I even oh. told my girl when we were watching, I was like, oh, well, now we know how that matchup's going to end.
3: I was wrong. <laughs> Let me ask you, because we didn't even talk about Nikki Cross. She's a, hmm. She interfered and she cost Alexa Bliss. That's why damage control won. Do you think there's something deeper there between Cross and Alexa, former partners, or, like, could Nikki Cross possibly be involved with the Wyatt Six, the Bray Center? Like, there's. I think they could be telling stories yeah. here.
2: It could go many different ways because, yeah, we didn't mention that during the um, pre-match uh, interview with Alexa Bliss and Asuka, you saw the – whatever it is, like a butterfly or whatever the white um, logo is in the background, and Alexa like was, like, taken back for that by a second. So there might be some involvement there. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Like it'll be interesting if Nikki Cross is a part of damage control. It'll be interesting if she's a part of the Wyatt Six because she would fit that crazy Wyatt family style like perfectly, like a glove. So it's gonna be interesting. I I think she's the wild card in all this for sure. We're gonna go on to the next matchup, which I enjoyed cage matchup: Carrion Cross versus Drew McIntyre. This felt like an old school cage match. Two just big men with a feud going in there and going at it. Um, I like the involvement of Scarlett. I think that it was interesting that, you know, the way they ended the match at Extreme Rules was the detrimental factor here that led to Karrion Cross losing. Um, overall, it was a good cage match. I, I thought it played his part on the show, and I would like to see both of these guys go their separate ways after this, like do something else with Karrion Kross at this point. But good matchup. I just wonder where both go after this. I just hope it's not against each other again.
3: I think you just answer that question, brother. Who won the match? Drew McIntyre. Who won the first match? Karrion Cross. We're gonna get a third match. Oh, wow. it'll, pro- it'll probably be a Survivor Series. I don't know what kind of match it'll be. You know, maybe it'll just be a clean one-on-one match. Maybe it'll have some sort of stipulation. I laughed when they put the cage match in effect because you know Scarlett can't get involved. Well, it's not a fucking brick. It's just fucking fence link, <laughs> like metal links, whatever it it's is over there. through
2: is. the fence.
3: <laughs> right. Right. I did like. Uh, first of all, this match was better than their strat match, and I enjoyed their strat match. I enjoyed this match. It was nothing special, but it was fine for what it was. There was definitely some illogical points where each guy would try to climb out of the cage rather than just go for the pin. Or like, I think Crossneck drew out once and tried to climb out, and it was like, okay, cool. You're giving us that nostalgic cage match feel, but I don't, I don't know, man. It was a little illogical at times, but. It's wrestling. When is it ever supposed to fucking be logical? So I'm fine with it. The ending was yeah. cool, you know. One guy is trying to climb over, the other guy climbs out. Uh, I'm fine with it. It'll continue to do a third match, and then please, my God, let these go. These guys go their separate ways. It was cool at first, but I'm over it.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely want to see what's next for Karrion Cross more than Drew McIntyre, though. Even though I'm a big Drew McIntyre fan, I'm more intrigued with where they go with Karrion Cross because he has such a unique character. And I hope that there's plans set up for him because, you know, that was the whole problem with his first run. There was really nothing set up for him. So hopefully they have a bigger plan in the works for Karen Cross. With you. We got the OC versus the Judgment Day next, and this matchup was a fucking banger. I love this matchup. This was insane balls to the wall. I love the fact that Michael Cole was given the history of the bullet club by actually naming the bullet club and not saying, Oh, the faction in Japan, which they said in the past, um, everybody looked like a million bucks in this Dominic Mysterio looked like a million bucks in this. I don't care what anybody says. My man was putting in work in this matchup and I think the right team went over judgment day is on fire right now. And I can't wait to see where they go. Um, I know we're talking about bloodline in war games, but you could even put this matchup in war games. You could add Rhea Ripley into the matchup. You could add possibly Beth Phoenix into the matchup. I would love that. But right now judgment day is on fire and it's a hell of a faction.
3: Yeah, bro. Uh, you're not wrong. This match definitely banged. These guys know or triple H knows how to put on six man tags, dude. The six man tag was arguably the match of the night at the at extreme rules. And this match could have definitely been a match of the night contender again. All six, of, all six of these guys came out looking like a million bucks, like you said, including Dominic. I think I said multiple times yesterday, Dominic looks great. Dominic looks great. I've wanted this Dominic for so long. He looks awesome. I'm so glad. And Rhea looks so badass and dominant. It was good. Yeah. It, it was very good for what it was. I look forward to seeing where they go moving forward. you got to think on Raw on Monday, there's going to be a woman coming out. Will it be Mia Yim? Will it be Charlotte Flair? Who knows? I'm excited to see who they're going to recruit. And the story's got legs. I thought it was going to go in, in War Games for sure. The Survivor Series cover came out today. Five guys on it was the Bloodline. So maybe Judgment I Day just that. gets a regular. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a dope dude. It's fucking dope dude. Um, uh, yeah, if you send me that it. afterwards. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I'll even try to send it to you now. But yeah. It was fucking sick, dude. It's got the whole bloodline on there. It's got Sammy and Solo, and it's got the Usos, Roman in the middle with Heyman outside with the cell. Oh my God, sick. Well, like but that. that's what that's why I think maybe the Judgment Day and OC maybe get some sort of elimination match, maybe a four on four mixed, maybe inter elimination match. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Edge and Beth could come back. They could add somebody else. Again, I am excited to see where they go moving forward. This great feud. I love it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that too. I could see it being the traditional Survivor Series matchup. Being you know, we we're getting the new spin on Survivor Series with the War Games matchup, but I always like those traditional Survivor Series matches. So I could see it doing. I could see them doing that as well. So very interesting. But yo, right now, there's nothing that the Judgment Day that they can't mess us up. They are doing so good with what they have, and I just love the direction that they're going. Um, Dominic definitely is showing shades of a young Eddie Guerrero. That uh, springboard into the Senton was very Eric Eddie Guerrero. Like I gotta say, like he's been growing and he's been growing exponentially as of late as a heel. So I'm very excited for his trajectory. Gosh, I'm fucking tired as fuck here. Um, you know what I'm trying to say? Um, definitely excited for his direction. But yeah, I think overall Judgment Day right now is doing great things. All right. We got the Brawling Brutes, Butch and Rich Holland versus the Usos. This was another great matchup. Uh Rich Holland is definitely growing on me, man. He is a fucking tank. And he just runs through everybody. I think he's gonna be a problem. But uh definitely I think the right team went over. The Usos, they're going into SmackDown this week, going against the New Day. And if they beat the New Day, I believe they break the New Day's record, which is fitting because they're going against the New Day and Right now, the whole bloodline's on fire, but the Usos showed out during this matchup. But so did Rich Holland and Butch, so I really enjoyed this one.
3: Love the match. I mean, I keep saying it. It could be a top three match of the night. Again, the, it, as we're going through this show, it, it just shows that the show fucking banged. This match was awesome. There was a nasty superkick spot from the top rope. Ridge, as you're saying, absolute fucking monster, dude. Um, Every time he picks the two guys up at one time and hits the slam, I fucking mark out so hard, dude. He is an absolute brute, as the name suggests. The Usos were definitely in the right call to win this.
0: Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered.
3: The storytelling with them breaking the New Day's record and then having to go up against them on SmackDown to break that record is so fucking fitting, especially with the rivalry that they've had over the past six, seven years. You know, I said I never want to see another Usos New Day match again in my life. But guess what? With the right fucking story, I want to see this match because you know they're going to give them 25 minutes and the match is going to absolutely hit. Now, the curious thing is, you know, the Brawling Brutes and the Usos to me, they're not done. You got the injury with Sheamus that they did to him. I think there's unfinished business with Solo and Sheamus. Definitely unfinished business with these six guys, particularly. So, if I had a guess, I would expect the Brawling Brutes, all three of them, to be inside of that War Games.
2: Most definitely, and I'm excited for that. And by the way, that match on SmackDown better be the goddamn main event because that has a big fight feel, main event feel, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be history if the New Day wins that. Well, if uh, the Usos win that matchup. But, um, yeah, gosh, right now, just like I said about the Judgment Day, the Bloodline could do no wrong, man. Like, everything about them are fucking just entertaining with the, the Usy shit that they had going on last Friday on uh, SmackDown. But then every time they're in the ring, they deliver. And they always have that big fight feel. So, like, I know there's people who are tired and sick and tired of, the reign of the usos and roman reigns but when you put it on quality matches like this it's hard to deny the fact that they deserve the spot that they're in because this is one of the things when i said that people were complaining about the show i saw a lot of complaints about the usos winning the this matchup and i'm like how would you justify taking the titles off of them right now when they're the hottest team in the fucking business like in the business i would put them over any team in the fucking business right now like the acclaimed is popular, but they're not Uso's bloodline popular. You know what I mean? FTR is popular and they are fucking killing it in ring, but they're not Uso's bloodline popular. So how, how could you justify taking the titles off of them? So oh, I think this no, definitely no. was the right decision because I saw a, a couple in like hell, titles, like, dude. Yeah, for sure.
3: Best tag team but, in the world. I've said it for fucking years now years. Best tag team in the world. Best tag team in the world. Best tag team in the world. And guess what? Finally, they get their fucking respect as the best tag team in the world. Because they are the best. I love FTR. I mean, the acclaimed, I'm sorry. They're not even mm. on the remote level of the FTR in the Usos, in the Young Bucks, and the Lucha Brothers. They're great. Okay. And maybe one day they get there, they're entertaining as fuck, character-wise. But they ain't the fucking Usos, the Young Bucks, the Lucha Bros, or FTR, or the Briscoes. Like those five teams and God, like you know, when they're together. But like those are the teams, you know. But fuck, I'm glad to see them get that respect. Man. It's fucking like,
2: oh yeah, man! I totally overdue. Definitely, but you know, I I'm over here defending the WWE for keeping the titles on the Usos, but I cannot defend the WWE for keeping the title on Bianca Belair, and I love Bianca Belair, but boy, did Bailey need this win. Because right now I feel like they're they're killing the whole Bailey character. I mean, how could she be the leader of this team and the team can, continues to win, but her herself as the leader continues to lose? And then everyone is holding gold besides her, and she's supposed to be the leader of damage control. I just think that Bianca Belair, it wasn't going to hurt her to lose this title to Bailey. It, it's not going to hurt her to lose this title. And I, I thought that you know during their ladder match at Extreme Rules would have been a good time for Bailey to win that title. Um, I was a little confused on Raw a couple weeks ago when uh Bailey beat Bianca Belair. I thought that was a title matchup, and then it wasn't a title matchup, so right. I don't know if like I was the only one who thought that was a title match, but I was like, Wait, she you win the title? Yeah, but this one I thought for sure Bailey was gonna win it. Like I said in the uh earlier during the tag match when damage control won, I thought it was a shoo in for Bailey to win this, but Bianca Belair is still champion.
3: Bro, I think you've got my opinion on it. I kind of said it a couple of times um, throughout the show already. First of all, I want to preface this by saying I absolutely love Bianca Belair. She's on top of her game. She's maybe the best women's wrestler in the world right now. But come on, man. Enough's enough. Not like enough's enough with Bianca, but enough's enough like fucking Bailey. Why bring her back in this prominent role as a lead of a stable? and put her in this feud against Bianca, if you're not going to fucking pull the trigger and put the belts on her? Why make it three or four title matches now if you're not going to do it? And where does Bailey go from here? How do you... Why... In what world are we to believe in war games Bailey and crew are supposed to, like... It's stupid, bro. What's going to happen is... Either Bailey's team's gonna beat Bianca's team in war games and Bailey's gonna say, I was the leader, we beat your team, I get one more title shot, and that's where Bailey gets to win, and then Becky wins the rumble and we go from there, or Bailey just gets fucked. And let me tell you, I'm gonna be pretty fucking upset if Bailey gets fucked, dude. I like I don't see it unless they just go right to Charlotte and they have Charlotte win the rumble, and it's fucking Bianca Charlotte at Mania, and fucking Bianca just holds this belt all the way through. And if that's how they want to make her dominant like that and they have her face Charlotte at Mania, that's a huge match. Becky fucking comes back, faces Rousey on the other side of things. And guess who's fucked? Bailey. it so like The whole thing from SummerSlam to Mania, unless she gets the belt in December, she's fucked, dude. It is bullshit. She in my she's the forgotten four horsewoman. She's the one who gets I mean, I know Sasha with the company right now. But like fucking <laughs> She's the forgotten one. She's fucking not looked at it as the same caliber as the other three, and quite frankly, it pisses me off, dude. Again, yeah. I love Bianca, but no reason. Bailey shouldn't even been in this match if she was going to lose it. And they both look fucking great in their gear, dude. Bianca making her shit again, fired, dude.
2: Now, yeah, definitely. I, I don't know. I, I'm always talking about how much I like Bianca Belair. I think that she has all the potential to be one of the greatest of all time. Like she has all the potential. The the charisma, the in-ring ability, the mic work. Like she's amazing at what she does. But yeah, the direction of Bailey since she came back has just been horrible. They are like killing the character. They're like shooting her in the water. Like, where do you go from here? Like you said, even if she wins war games, it's like I feel like if this isn't war games then it has to be Bailey pinning Bianca in war games for her to even have a say to have another title match. Because when it was one-on-one, she lost twice. It can't be like fucking Dakota Kai pins Candice LeRae or some shit. And it's like, Oh, well now Bailey gets a title shot because there's no fucking reason for her to get another title shot. She lost two big matches in a row. So I don't know. They have to do something though, to save this before it's too late because we're on that verge where it might be too late to go back from, bailey being a top dominant women's wrestler in this division but we'll see what happens um next up on the show we had bray wyatt i love everything they're doing with bray wyatt uncle howdy everything that they do is fucking amazing um the crowd it it felt like an american crowd the way they had like the phones out and this was awesome to see um yeah where do you think this goes though where do you think Like this eventually leads up to who do you think his first matchup is going to be against? Because I feel like they could continue to build this, but sooner or later, we do got to see Bray Wyatt in the ring. Or, like, why is he here? You know,
3: I think he could feud with himself for like the next five, how wins mania six months away. I think he could feud with himself for like the next four months and develop whatever he's got going on. He probably doesn't have to have a match for at least two months, maybe like a month, maybe two months. I think whoever he fights first could very well just be him, a figment of his imagination that somebody else plays. I think maybe it will, Uncle Howdy could be Bo, and it could just be Bo's new character, will be Uncle Howdy. Like, you know, he could refer to himself, like, I'm your brother. Um, I don't know why it'd be his brother if he's his uncle, which is why I still don't know that that character's Bo. You know, you can, the uncle could bring in the brother. Like, you can introduce Bo in a different way. I don't know. I'm excited as fuck, dude. Like you said, since day one, I didn't know if it was going to be, like, split, where his brain split and he's got six different characters that he plays, or if he's going to have his own faction. I'm excited, man. I think him and Uncle Howdy are going to eventually have to fight. I don't know who these characters are. Vincent and Dutch both tweeted, like, right after brace thing, um, with, like, six lines each, and both had the number six in there. So, like, they continued to tease that they're a part of this. The Sheets reported that they were signed by WWE so they very well could have something to do with it. You got Crazy Nikki, Bo's on the horizon. You always got Rowan. If Crazy Nikki's there, you got fucking uh, Big Demo right around the corner potentially. Like, there's a lot of different people who this. So many could, possibilities, and I'm all fucking for it, dude. Do I know? No fucking clue, and I am excited, baby. No, nah, most
2: definitely. Um, I also like the fact that this is the first time that Bray Wyatt acknowledged that he has, you know a family that has wrestling lineage i don't think they ever mentioned the fact that the irs is his father or you know Bo Bo dallas is his brother like he has family that's in wrestling and this is the first time that they he didn't didn't necessarily say it but he made mention that wrestling runs in his family's blood which is cool but um is uncle howdy the irs's
3: brother like (laughs) barry windham isn't that because Barry Windham's is <laughs> Barry Windhams' uncle? I mean, so yeah. I, don't, I don't think he's irs' brother. He might be, I don't fucking know. But I know that uh Barry Windhams is his brother, so or fuck Barry Windhams is uncle. So yeah. there's always that possibility. What I want, bro, and I know a lot of people want this Roman Cody thing. I want yeah. Bray I want Bray and Cody at WrestleMania. I think there's a lot of legs to that story. You got like the angel So many stories the can be told. You got the lineage of the family. That's sort of kind of like you spark my mind again um, that you were just talking about. And their families kind of were rooted together. So I'd love to see that shit.
2: Yeah, and especially just the creative knowledge of Bray Wyatt and Cody Rhodes. I'm sure the storytelling that they could tell with each other would be absolutely amazing. So yeah. definitely I would be all for Bray Wyatt and Cody. But, yeah, I'm very interested to see where it goes. Um, my only thing is it's like, yeah, I like where they're going with it. I just want to know like what the next layer is and I'm a little impatient. I don't want it to be rushed, but also I, I would like to know, like, is this going to lead to Bray Wyatt? Like you said, battling like himself or a figment of like his imagination with other characters. Like what is the Wyatt six? Like we're seeing uncle Howdy. Like, is there other characters within it? Or is it just like the other past characters of Bray Wyatt, like the fiend, like, the uh what's called the Wyatt family leader. So it's going to be very interesting to see where they go with this, but it's it's getting to the point where I'm like wanting more and he's only like once a week. So it, it's hard to like just sit there and he comes out for one promo a day. It's I don't know. I what do you that, what do
3: you want to happen? Like what do you want what do you want to happen?
2: I want I want him to just like indulge in his fucking craziness. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> fucking cause havoc yeah. and just destroy shit, you know like I, I love this like candid Bray where he's coming out and thanking the fans for being himself. Like we never seen this side of Bray, right? But I do want him to like indulge in his fucking like just killer and just yeah. just go on a fucking rampage. Um, whether that's with other people, I think it'll be dope. I think it'll be dope if Dutch Jay and Vincent would be a part of this because they fit that type of characters. But if it's just him by himself, I think that'll be dope also. Um A couple weeks ago, I was watching Split by M. Night Shyamalan, and I'm like, this is exactly what they're doing with Bray Wyatt. Like, it would be perfect if they brought that style to the show. So, I
3: mean, it's going to be very interesting, but – Because don't you think that Uncle Howdy is just kind of trying to pull Bray out or, like, just, like, make him embrace it and then maybe – Yeah, I think
2: think that's exactly what's happening. But then when he embraces it, what happens from there? Like, if he does embrace it, who does he go after? It's it's going to be very interesting. I think that him and Drew would be a good matchup. Mm-hmm. I don't think they ever faced each other, so no. that would be interesting. But what would be the premise for him and Drew to be in a matchup? He would just have to like go crazy and attack him backstage or some shit. So I don't know, I don't know. But right now I'm intrigued, and they still got me intrigued. So it's it's not like you know it's, it's not storytelling, leading. baby. Yeah, it's not losing me, but I just want to know. I'm like anxious to know what's next for Bray Wyatt because there's so many different possibilities here. Main event time. We have Roman Reigns, Logan Paul. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I think you were on my show when I talked to, when they first announced Logan Paul being a part of this show, going against Roman Reigns in the main event, and I was not for it. I was talking shit about it like the whole fucking time. I said, this is like a Vince McMahon decision. Why the fuck would they do this? Blah, blah, blah. He doesn't deserve it. Logan Paul made a believer out of me. He put on a hell of a show. And he's grown leaps and bounds from the last time we've seen him against The Miz at SummerSlam. And that was only a few months ago. So I'll be the first to say, like, Ali Crow, I was wrong. He definitely showed out. This was a great matchup. Had a main event feel. Love the fact that you had Jake Paul... The other, I don't know their names, but like Logan (laughs) Paul with the podcast. Um, You had them fighting with uh, the Usos. It definitely felt like a main event. And Roman Reigns made Logan Paul look like a million bucks. And also vice versa. I think that Roman Reigns looked like a million bucks too because of the selling of Logan Paul. And one gripe I had about Logan Paul in his matchup with the Miz was the lack of selling. and He was like just rushing everything and he wasn't selling anything. So I feel like he definitely addressed that issue with this matchup. So if this is the Logan Paul we continue to see, I'm not too mad at him being in WWE. So definitely enjoyed this matchup. It was fun. I was on the edge of my seat for most of it. And there were times where I was like, oh, shit, they might give this shit to Logan Paul. This is going to be the biggest publicity stunt that they pull. But it it had me believing. So I I really enjoyed this matchup.
3: Bro. Bro. Listen, and I—if I, I, I think I was on the show with you, like you said, and I probably said this exact answer. Clicks, internet, social media clicks. When he got to the top rope, took the cell phone from one of his boys and performed the moons or the frog splash out of the out the table on the outside for, through Roman. Forty million clicks. Okay, that's why you bring in a Logan Paul. It doesn't even matter what he did in the ring. It, Like you just said, the kid fucking tore it up, dude. I don't don't care for the Paul brothers, dude. I think that Jake Paul's fights are fixed. I think Logan Paul's fights are fixed. But at the end of the day, they're fucking money-making machines, dude. They work their asses off. Look at their bodies, dude. They're fucking chiseled, dude. Fucking they look good, man. They know what they're fucking doing. Logan Paul looked amazing. Like you said, he sold like a million bucks. We're going to talk about Shawn Michaels in a little bit. Shawn Michaels has been the one training him. Of course he sold like a million bucks. When he had the flying elbow into the kip up, whoo, my nipples got hard, dude. I was like, is that HBK? Did he do it better than HBK? I was like, fuck, dude. The kid showed out. Maybe it went a little too long. Maybe Roman sold a little too much for him. Internet guy coming in, taking down the world champion, taking them down. But at the end of the day, they gave Logan Paul his forty million clicks worth. Like they gave that kid fucking a shiny moment, and he took he took it. The buckshot he hit, fucking sick, dude. Nasty yeah. buckshot. There were so many cool moments in that match. Again, I said it earlier. I loved when I was waiting for Jake Paul and waiting for Jake Paul. Not that I cared, but like he was supposed to be a part of the match. So I'm like, okay, obviously he's gonna have an integral part of the match. I wasn't thinking he was gonna get yeah. his own entrance. But boom. And then I'm like, well, where the fuck is Solo? And then he gets his own entrance. And I'm like, let's go. That's a big yeah, he made fight. Solo like a star. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So it made a lot of people look good. Logan Paul looked great. Roman looked awesome. Solo looked like a big fucking deal, dude. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah,
2: most definitely. The only thing is, um, my only gripe would be on the commentary side because when you had Logan Paul hit that forearm into the kip up, like that was the perfect moment to talk about how Shawn Michaels been training him. And this is like his homage to Shawn Michaels. And instead Michael Cole screams out Superman punch. <laughs> it Wasn't a Superman punch. Come on. No. But anyway, amazing matchup. I enjoyed it. And that was an amazing way to end a great show. Like I said, if the Saudi Arabia shows are like this, then they're not missable. Cause a lot of people were saying that too. Like, Oh, well at least this is on a skippable show. Like no one cares about the Saudi Arabia shows. Like, if you're putting on quality like this, then fucking Crown Jewel is as much of a show as Extreme Rules or any other PLE on the calendar year because this was a fucking banger show. I don't even think there was a bad matchup. There was bad decisions, I believe. Like, you know, I wouldn't have had Bailey lose and the flip-flopping with the tag titles. But overall, quality-wise, amazing matchups, amazing show.
3: Yeah, I loved it, bro. Let me ask you, did you not like Braun Strowman in Omas? What was your thoughts oh, on that? Fuck match? I, did I not? Oh, it's all good. I'm just I'm just I'm just asking I actually you. What did. you think? I actually
2: did. We'll, we'll talk about that right now because I fucking totally forgot to add that here. I thought that Omas did absolutely amazing. The guy I never seen a guy that size moving like that. I know people talk about oh, he's the modern day great Kali. That is bullshit. Kali was never moving like Omas was moving. He has speed, he has that. power. Like, that was a fucking banger. And I, I found myself cheering for Omas I wanted him to beat Braun Strowman. Like, I like Braun Strowman, but I'm not the biggest fan of Braun. But that's the first time I was like, yo, Omas got to win this shit. So I was a little upset that Omas lost. But, yeah, I actually did fucking like that matchup. And I'm feeling so stupid right now that I forgot to put that on the goddamn
3: run. No, don't. I just wanted to bring it up for two reasons. One, because I thoroughly enjoyed the match. Omas was so dope throughout. I mean, I'm a Braun guy, so I wanted Braun to win. And I thought, like. I was right when Braun came back. I said, They're gonna have him squash Omas one day. He ain't squashed that man. Omos, just like the first match, just like Bobby, Omas beat Braun's ass for six to seven minutes, talked shit to him the whole time doing it. it looked I like a it. bad motherfucker while he did it. And then Braun hits run one, one bulldog slam, power slam, and he gets the win, which I was fine with. But dude, Omas showed out in that match and i thought yeah. about it because bronze tweet today we got 59 five-star ratings on fucking cage match we don't got to be fucking flippity flopping garbage fucking or not uh garbage man uh grocery baggers and shit so like will osprey and chris jericho and mustafa ali and all these guys like went ahead of and yeah. shit so that's why i was in my head but i was like maybe De Niro didn't like it i don't know
2: not nah, yeah, man. It was just a case of me forgetting because I-, I thought it was a dope matchup. And like you said, I love how monsters talks shit like the whole time he's like destroying his opponents. So yeah, forgive me. I love that matchup. <laughs> but yeah, just another matchup that added to a great show. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, I don't typically give star ratings for shows, but I would say that this was a strong four out of five stars. Only thing like bringing it down a notch was just some of the decisions, but. Yeah, I thought it was a very strong show and I thoroughly enjoyed it.
3: So, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I gave it an eight and a half out of 10 yesterday. So it's like a 4.25 out of five. So yeah, it was very fun. Bailey, exactly. if Bailey would have won, it would have been a fucking four and a half. But oh,
2: without a doubt, without a doubt. But speaking of fun shows, we got to go back in time like we do every Monday here on the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. We're talking about Survivor Series 1997. Now, I'm going to tell, I'm going to bring it all the way back, right? In 2020, when I started to talk about the old school shit, because that's something that I didn't start out with when I was doing the podcast. When this podcast first started, it was strictly modern day shit. I figured this would be a great excuse for me to go back and rewatch all the stuff like I grew up watching. And when I started with the Monday Night War between WWE and WCW, this was a show that I wanted to just skip to just to review on this podcast. So this is two years in the making. Shit. I couldn't wait to get to the Survivor Series 1997 because I have so many like ideas or even conspiracies about the Montreal job that I always wanted to talk about on this show. And I'm going to finally get to talk about it here on the show. So this is very exciting. So let's get into this fucking show. Survivor Series 1997.
3: I'm glad I get to be here for the conspiracies, baby. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited.
2: Is. This is going to be a good one. Good. Started out, we got the Headbangers and the New Blackjack versus the Godwins and the New Age Outlaws. This was a traditional Survivor Series four-on-four elimination matchup. I enjoyed this. The New Age Outlaws looked like a million bucks. Uh, the Godwins looked like trash. I mean, I-, I like the Godwins, but they didn't really look like much. I never was a big fan of the new Black Jacks or whenever the WWF brought like old tag team names back with new guys, like the new Rockers and the new Midnight Express. Never liked that shit. Found that shit corny. Like come up with new ideas, right? I always like the headbangers too, though. But overall, this matchup made the New Age Outlaws look great. What did
3: you think? I, yeah, man. You like said everything I wanted to say. We got uh, Bray's uncle, Barry, was in the match. <laughs> so uh, I thought about that while I was watching. But yeah. No, the match was made for the New Age Outlaws. It was made to make Billy and Road Dogg look great, and they look good before the match. They look good during the match. They look good after the match. So I think it served its purpose. And this is pre Outlaws, right? And they didn't call themselves a the New Age Outlaws.
2: I, I don't think so. Yeah, I think they were just Road dog and Jesse J. Oh, Road Dogg and Billy Gunn at this point.
3: Just kind of formulating as a team, and you know they had been doing their things, as we'll see later. They were stealing pads and fucking, shoulder pads and from LOD and other <laughs> stuff. But yeah, no, yeah. it was cool to. It's kind of see. It was cool to see uh, their start for sure.
2: Most definitely. You said they look good before the match. After the match, I mean, Daddy Ass looks looks good today.
3: <laughs> sure does, dude. Scissor me, Daddy Ass. Yes. He's looking good, baby.
2: I mean, I think he just turned 59 or 60. I believe his birthday was yesterday. And the guy is like fucking chiseled like granite. But
3: HGH is a beautiful thing, bro.
2: Oh, yeah. We, we remember why he got released by the W.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we do. We do.
2: Next, we have another traditional Survivor Series matchup the Truth Commission and DOA. I never was a fan of DOA. To be honest, I never was a fan of the Truth Commission either. But I thought it was really cool to see Don Callis on this show, especially in the ring. Uh, Don Callis with the long locks. You know what I mean? This is pre-Cyrus for w- ECW. So really cool to see him here. Uh, they were really trying to build up Kurgan as a monster, which he is, but in-ring was not too dazzling. Um, and, yeah, like I said, never a big fan of DOA. Eight ball and chain and all them was like, eh, to me. So this match was a little skippable for me.
3: Side slams for everybody, bro. I think three guys were eliminated <laughs> with uh, side slams in this match. I think it was 8-Ball, yeah. Skulls, and Kurgan's finisher. Kurgan hit two. I think 8-Ball hit one. It was whatever. I I liked the DOA. I thought the bikes were always cool, but the Truth Commission never did anything for me. But yes, I'm like, Don Callis, let's go. And then when he got eliminated and went on to commentary, it made it even fucking better. Because I'm like, we get Don Callis, 1997. He's the same He's, like, the exact same dude. Like, when he was spitting about truths and why this is important, I was like, this motherfucker, dude, 25 years later, still doing the same motherfucking thing, dude. It was cool.
2: Or I love the interactions with him and JR because it reminds me of the interactions they have on AEW because I believe when Kenny Omega first made his comeback before um, the All-Out pay-per-view, like, when he was revealed as the Young Bucks partner in the trios, JR says, oh, Don Callis is like a David Koresh. And then on this show, Jr. says that like a bunch of times. So I thought that 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 was really
3: cool. okay. Okay. I didn't, I didn't catch that, but I dig that for sure.
2: Yeah. So that was, that was a cool little tidbit. But besides that, the matchup was kind of boring and skippable. Like you said, side slam city. Everybody was hitting side slams. (laughs) Next, we have another traditional Survivor Series matchup. This one billed as Team, Team America versus Team Canada. I'm not used to hearing Team Canada unless you have Scott Amore, Petey Williams, and Bobby Roode on the team. But we have Team Canada, who is filled with a guy from England, a guy from America, <laughs> and two Canadians versus uh, Team America, which is Vader, Steve Back- Steve Blackman making his in-ring uh, debut for the WWF, Mark Miro, and Goldust, who is borderline heel at this time. This is when he... Had that sit down interview with Jr. and Marlena where he basically asked for a divorce against Marlena and how she was holding him back and he hates her guts and all that shit. So a really weird Team America team. Like if you figure who's on that roster at that time and who's going to represent America in this matchup, this was a real weird, you know, caring for these uh, four guys. But overall, matchup was cool. I always was a fan of uh, Doug Furness and Phil LaFon. I thought that they were very underrated. If you're not too familiar with them, they had a great, great run in All Japan Pro Wrestling. And they also had a really cool run in ECW as a tag team when they feuded with Rob Van Dam and Sabu. But overall, okay matchup. I thought it was pretty skippable also. But I like the stuff with um, Goldust and Vader. Goldust not willing to get into the matchup. And then Vader says, fuck it, slaps him, which is a tag, (laughs) and throws him in. (laughs) I like
3: that. But what did you think about this? Well, De Niro... Don't you know, we got one thing in common that we don't like filthy, stinking Canadians. That's what we got in common. <laughs> that, that was their story. That was why they were a yeah. team. What a random eclectic bunch for Team America. If you remember That's... back in July of this year, I mean, you did the show, I'm going to tell you, but you had Spring Stampede, which Goldust was a firm locked in member of Team USA on that team. Um, yeah. A lot's happened since that moment, obviously. You hit it. Team Canada only having one Canadian kind of fucking threw me <laughs> off. But Bulldog is definitely Canadian by marriage. So that, that you know, by family, by everything. So Canada loved him. So Team Canada was definitely the faces in the match. Vader did yeah. his thing. Anytime I get Vader fucking knocking the shit out of people, I'm all in on the match was whatever, dude. Fucking Anvil had like no part in the match. Uh, Blackman making his debut had no part in the match. I, I don't know. I guess it, they were trying to tell the Vader-Gold story, which is kind of, whatever. That's yeah, it.
2: It, it was cool to see uh, Vader in the ring with Doug Furnace and Phil LaFont because I do, I, I don't know, I like these weird like DVD box sets from like HighSpots.com that just has like a bunch of random Japanese matches on it. And one of my favorite matches from one of those box sets was... Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow versus Phil Fon and Doug Furness from All Japan Pro Wrestling. Ooh. I strongly recommend you check that out. But it was really cool to see Vader in the ring with them in America. Well, not in America, in Canada, but in the WWF.
3: That sounds fucking dope, dude. That's a badass tag team, too, Vader and Bam Bam. Oh, Two, totally if not that. both of the most athletic big men of all time.
2: Exactly, yeah. I totally agree. Speaking of athletic big men, got to yeah. talk about Kane and Mankind. This matchup has been built for a couple weeks. Um, It was supposed to be Dude Love versus uh, Kane on Raw, and Kane just destroyed Dude Love, which led to Mankind returning. They were feuding for a couple weeks, and then we finally get the matchup here. This matchup was supposed to happen on Raw, but Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter said that the USA execs are too scared that it was going to get out of hand, so we're saving it for the pay-per-view. That's why it's here on Survivor Series, and this was a really fun matchup. Kane was definitely showing his athletic side by doing like that Brock Lesnar doubles jump to the ring apron, which I thought that was really cool. But, bro, Mankind was taking some fucking crazy ass bumps in this. This was a human demolition derby. That chokeslam he took from the top rope to the fucking floor was nasty. Um, I forgot who hit who with the steel steps. I think Kane got hit with the steel steps. They did put his hands up, just fucking took it head on. Nasty shit, man, but great matchup. I enjoyed this a lot. The only thing I did not like was the fucking red lighting. I never liked that for Kane. Did not like that for The Fiend. Shit just makes it hard to watch. It's hard to see, and I'm glad that eventually they got rid of the red lighting for both The Fiend and Kane. But besides that, that would be the only thing that brought it down a little bit, but thought it was a really good matchup.
3: I'm with you pretty much on everything that you said. It was cool, man. Thanks again. I got to watch Kane's debut match. This dope as shit, dude. I like watching fully transition into these different characters. Talking about he was just a kid. Like, how could you do that? I'm like, who? I'm <laughs> like, oh, dude, love. Okay. So like, he was just a kid. I'm like, yeah, oh, he like ripping his hair out. I'm like, oh, my God. This is so good. He is so good. Um, And then... Yeah, the match itself was awesome. They beat the shit out of each other. I like the table spot on the outside where Kane through fully through the table. That was dope. I think fully hit Kane that with a pile driver using his trunks on the outside. I just laughed. I was like, fully used no muscle on that. Kane did it all in fucking south, dude. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, Kane beat the shit out of him. Kane got the win with the tombstone. First match, his debut. Red blades, fuck off. Fuck all the way off. Hated it with the fiend. Forgot they did it with Kane. Yeah. Fuck off dude it's intolerable it gives me a headache never yeah. ever again i don't think we'll ever have to deal with it with pop age but fuck dude
2: <laughs> no yeah i hated that shit like even when i was younger i remember i was i went to a show it might have been a house show i don't know I, i've been to like so many fucking uh, these like live events and shit when i was younger but i remember when kane came out and he had a match i believe it was like with flash funk or some shit and <laughs> being there live with the red lights, it's a horrible experience. Like you could barely see the matchup, you know, you could barely see it on TV, but even live it's worse. So it's like, how do you expect your fans to like sit there and enjoy the matchup when it's hard to even see, especially it's hard to see Kane. He's already wearing red. So the red light kind of like makes him blend in. So it's pretty difficult, but I want to ask you, cause I, I wrote this down in my notes. Do you think that Well, do you see any similarities with what Bray Wyatt's doing now to what Mick Foley was doing then with the different personalities? Not referring to him being attacked as Dude Love by Kane, but talking about Dude Love as a separate person, saying he was just a kid. How could you do that? Like, Do you see those similarities, and do you want Bray Wyatt to go down that type of path?
3: Bro, I kind of get goosebumps thinking about it. Yes, when I was watching this show, it made me think about Bray. I was sitting there like, Is this what Bray is going to do? Could he make the three faces of Foley into the six faces of Wyatt? Like, is this even a possibility? Is he that deep that he could pull this off? If anyone can, it it could be him.
1: How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply.
0: Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered.
3: I don't know. I love it. It would be fun. I'm, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Um, like I said earlier. And yes, I, I very, very much could see something along the lines of this happening. And I, fuck, dude. I'm so. I haven't been like this excited about just a story. I don't expect him to do anything in ring, nor do I really care for a while. Just the story itself. And you could occupy 15 minutes of TV every fucking week with this shit. So sign me up.
2: Most definitely. I'm glad we both thought about it too while watching this matchup because. I was thinking, I was like, yo, this is very interesting, but me and you, we're always right here. (laughs) Yep,
3: yep, yep. With red lights, with fucking that I was like, man, I I agree with you.
2: Next, we have another traditional Survivor Series matchup. It is the whole nation of domination versus the Legion of Doom, Ahmed Johnson, and Ken Shamrock. And I just want to say that this was the Rocks coming out party because I, I didn't expect Farouk to be the second guy eliminated in this matchup being the leader of the Nation of Domination. Um, but The Rock, being the sole survivor for his team, definitely put on a great matchup. Him and Ken Shamrock always had great chemistry, I feel, and I always loved that feud. They take this feud into WrestleMania eventually, so like this is a feud that's going to continue to build here. But both Shamrock and The Rock look like a million bucks, but definitely you could see the, the little the little sprints of greatness for the rock. This is where he hit the people's elbow. I believe for the first time, like he pulled off like that people's elbow, but you see that the rock is going to be a huge, huge star. And it's starting in this like era where he's starting to take over that role as the leader of the nation, the domination. So what did you think about this?
3: Bro? First and foremost, this is my squad right here. All right. Like if I had to go to war with the squad back in these days, Ahmed Johnson, the Legion of Doom, Ken Shamrock, TK. Let's fucking go, baby. <laughs> Let's fucking roll into war. Like, I love these guys. LOD, greatest tag team of all time. Ahmed Johnson, injuries, couldn't get out of his own way. What? But fuck, yeah. dude. He was such a powerhouse in his day. And you want to talk about athleticism? And Ken Shamrock, like, you hit it on the fucking head with this feud with The Rock. It was only just getting started. And, uh, Ken Shamrock, actually, did I don't mean to correct you, but now that I'm going over in my head, Ken Shamrock was a sole survivor in this match. He got the W. I, mean, I meant The Rock was a yeah, soul survivor yeah, first. Oh, yeah, 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 all right, my bad, my bad. I was like, I wait, wait. It. No, no, I was like, shit, 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 shit. I fucking missed something there. But no, uh, it was, that that team alone is badass. And then, yeah, you're right. This was The Rock's coming out party. He was a Soul survivor last year. He made it to the finals of his team this year. Just coming into his own is that fucking heel. I love it. But what I don't like about survive, these kind of Survivor Series matches, and it even goes all the way back to when NXT, when it was the five-on-five-on-five on five on five with the NXT involved, eliminations happened with just the stupidest moves. Like, you be in a singles match, right? And you're 20 minutes deep, and you hit your finisher three times, and you can't get the win. In this match, you had a simple clothesline or a body slam, and it's fucking. you are eliminated. It's like, like yeah. Hawk, Hawk got eliminated on some stupid fucking-ass shit, and then, like, Kama got eliminated on some even dumber shit. I'm just like come on you could have made It's like an match.
2: Iron Man matchup. they do that shit too where it's like you would take a pile driver and then pop
3: back up in a regular matchup but a clothesline you're down for the count you know right yeah come yeah. on like stop it but it was a fun match I like both of these crews D'Lo Brown uh you know Farouk obviously yeah yeah it was good good stuff man good stuff Ken Shamrock getting the win he said on our on our show on the UW pod when I was lucky to be a part of the interview he thought he was about to have a world title run, or at least a world title program, but the Montreal Screwjob messed all of that stuff up. So it would have been interesting to see if Brett had stayed, because he was a big Bret Hart advocate and was close to Brett, where he would have went from there.
2: We're going to talk about that, because remember I said my whole ideas of the Montreal job, Ken Shamrock plays a role in that, so we'll, we'll talk about oh, that for sure. Okay, I but- dig it. I like you said, I always was a big fan of Delo Brown, and I was really happy to see him in this matchup. This was his in ring debut for the WWE as well. Oh, and no Delo Brown is so fucking underrated, man. Like, I-, I love the whole you know, you're looking at the real deal now.
3: <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Yo,
2: shout out to Delo Brown, but definitely Chest cool to see him pad here. Too. Double champ, dude. Hell By far, in yeah. my opinion, still has one of the best frog splashes in the game. And I was very happy to see Logan Paul pull out the D'Lo Brown frog splash from the top rope when he went between the legs. like The low down, baby. Exactly. So really cool to see that. Next matchup we have for the IC title. This matchup has been built since SummerSlam. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Owen Hart. We all know the story. SummerSlam, Owen Hart drops Stone Cold on his head, breaking Stone Cold's neck. Stone Cold refuses to go home. He spends the next five months just causing ruckus, stunning everybody, officials, security, Vince McMahon himself getting arrested, and it's all to get to Owen Hart. Owen Hart is constantly defending his IC title and Stone Cold is constantly helping him defend the title no matter who it is, because he wants Owen Hart to hold that title until he's cleared to wrestle because he wants to take the title from him. So it was Owen Hart versus Farouk a couple months ago. And Stone Cold takes out Farouk because he wants Owen Hart to win. Then it was Stone Cold versus Ahmed Johnson. He takes out Ahmed Johnson because he wants Owen Hart to hold that title. So this was built up for a long time. Not the longest matchup as expected. Stone Cold's first matchup back after breaking his neck Short little matchup. Stone Cold looks like a million bucks though. Hits the stunner on Owen. Takes out Anvil, I think. And did he take out Bulldog as well? I just know he was hitting stunners like left and right everybody, after this. Uh,
3: yeah. Yeah. He was just fucking popping them. I think he had Anvil before the match, but yeah, he was fucking hitting them on yeah. everybody, dude.
2: Fucking awesome, man. Like this is Stone Cold about to hit his peak. I love this era of Stone Cold. But awesome, awesome ma- moment, awesome matchup. What did you think?
3: I was thinking the same thing, bro. I was, again, thinking what a show to get to watch because all of these guys are just about to either take off or are in their prime or about to hit their stride. And it's the same thing with Austin right here. He's right about – he's six months away from the WrestleMania main event. And it's just like – that's what I'm sitting there watching. Like, damn, this guy is just a fucking dog right now. And it's crazy how everything plays out because if Shawn Michaels didn't fucking lose his smile, you get this Montreal Screwjob match at WrestleMania 13 – which we never get the double turn. So, like, where would Austin even be? And then Austin, if Owen doesn't drop it on his neck, you never get the fucking feud with the boss. So, like, it's all, it's so crazy, like, how everything happened in. Fuck, dude. You could
2: even go even further back. Like, if you don't have the curtain call, you don't have Stone Cold winning the uh, King of the Ring, so you don't get the famous Austin 316
3: promo. Like, it's crazy how it all works out. It really, like, Austin... You can say it. uh, You can't really say it about a lot of wrestlers, but like for him, everything literally fell into place for him. Not because he ain't the fucking goat, dude, the man. But like, it takes things to fall into place, and he capitalized on everything, including this match. It wasn't a wrestling match; it was just a fight, and he won. Mm -hmm. And it was fucking dope to watch. Most
2: definitely, couldn't say it better myself. Like he was just not the right guy at the right time, like in the right place. He, he rose to every occasion and made the most of it, every opportunity he was given. So definitely awesome. I didn't write this down here, but after the matchup, we have a promo for the next pay-per-view, which is going to be In Your House, Degeneration X. And it is the debut of the DX theme song. This is the first time we ever hear the DX theme song, which I thought was really dope because in my opinion, it's one of my favorite theme songs of all time. So this was really cool to finally hear it on the show.
3: Dude, SummerSlam 97 or Survivor Series 97 just like be breaking it out. Kane, D the DX theme, the screw job. Okay. Don't back. Yeah. Shit. For sure. Okay. Okay.
2: All right. The main events. Here we go. The main event that's made fucking history. Everyone knows what happened Ooh. on this night. Brit the hitman heart. Shawn Michaels. This was This was a fucking brawl. Like you know, for every for how classic their wrestling matchup was at WrestleMania 12, this was the exact opposite. This was two guys who didn't like each other, hated each other, and just wanted to beat the shit out of each other. And we've seen that for a lot of the matchup. They brawled all around. I thought that it was really cool because you saw how much hatred they had for each other. Like it was pretty evident in this matchup. And then you get the finish, the, the famous finish that you know changed the wrestling world. Shawn Michaels puts on the sharpshooter. This man calls for the bell, and there you have it, confusion. You have JR saying, oh, Bret Hart gave up. Like, it's obvious Bret Hart did not give up, you know, and it's just a crazy, crazy moment. We'll talk about the screw job, but overall, the matchup itself, before we got to the ending, what did you think?
3: Bro, so I, I put this show on like two months ago. It's just funny that you know, you said you wanted to talk about it or it was that time for your show to talk about it. So I rewatched the whole thing again today. I put it on for my wife so she could watch the screw job. She was like, all right, whatever. And for me, I went back again, the whole thing. So it's just, first of all, from start to finish, it felt like a big fight feel based around this main event. Like it was a boxing match, like a boxing fight back in the day. Like everything was leading to this one match, this one moment. The, The history, the story behind it sean's entrance whatever taking the fucking flag out of his trunks was disgusting you know it's it was crazy to me like the crowd like sean michaels is this sean michaels is that like all the homophobic slurs like it's just such a different time like it's it's just so yeah. like every other side in the crowd was sean michaels is this sean michaels is that and i'm just like damn you're damn. even chanting it like it was like damn like it's like there was a picture of the four DX people in China with like something over her crotch, and it had like question mark and shit. I was like, dude, this, cr- this fucking like, Man. holy shit, dude. Different time well,
4: for sure. Yeah.
3: So like you had that. And then the, and I was always a Sean guy over Bret Hart. I was rooting for Sean here. I was rooting for Sean at WrestleMania to win the Iron Man match. The boyhood dream sold me. It got to me. like, it hit my heart, you know? So I was a Sean guy. I didn't know he was such a petulant child piece of shit in the backstage, I, I you know, and yeah. Brett was such a fucking great guy. But, watching Brett's entrance, knowing it was his final time, taking it all in, the crowd, the atmosphere, fucking, uh, fucking, in front of the ropes, it felt so good to see. And then the match itself was fucking awesome. They beat the shit out of each other in the crowd. You got the figure four around the ring rope or the, the corner, which I fucking, turnbuckle, which I fucking always love, dude. And Brett kind of beat his ass, and they did a couple of nice spots. You just tell, like, Got even in a match where they hated each other. And Jim Ross said it, it's not about the money, folks. They don't care about the money. They don't really care about the title. They care to say who's the best wrestler in the world. And dude, you felt it. And that's why like the screw job ending makes it so shitty when it's all said and done. Because they had this fight. Like, this was the WrestleMania 14 13 main event. It like this was a match of the year it could have been and they just shit it all away. But yeah, I'll let you know my feelings on that as well as we talk about when we get into that part of it. So
2: Yeah, well, we're at that point. So let's talk about the Montreal screw job, right? This was very avoidable, in my opinion. A hundred percent avoidable, especially if you watch what what Raw was main eventing with leading up to this. Two weeks before this, you had Bret Hart versus Ken Shamrock in a title matchup. That matchup goes to a DQ finish because Shawn Michaels comes out. He attacks Ken Shamrock, right? Next week, go home show before the show. You have Shawn Michaels versus Ken Shamrock. That match goes to a DQ finish. Ken Shamrock wants the title shot. Shawn Michaels screwed him over, and then DX screwed over Ken Shamrock because it was, oh, if Shawn Michaels loses to Ken Shamrock, then Ken Shamrock gets the title shot at Survivor Series. So that goes to a DQ finish. So since Ken Shamrock is openly feuding with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels on this show, leading to this fucking matchup, it would have been the easy way out, since they were trying to come up with how do we take the title off Bret, the easy way out would have been to make a three-way, Ken Shamrock, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels pins Ken Shamrock. Bret Hart doesn't lose the match, but you take the title off of I don't know. Like, it's fucking logical. It's fucking logical. For the last month, Ken Shamrock is feuding with both Brett and Sean and is owed a title matchup because he was screwed out of his title shot. Like, you have all these, like, stories of Vince Russo sitting at the table with uh, Vince McMahon and Jim Cornette for hours upon hours trying to figure out what do we do? How do we get the title off Brett? You have everybody telling their story that Brett didn't want to do business. He he didn't mind losing the title. He just didn't want to lose it to Sean. So, wouldn't this be the logical way out? Like, it's not like Ken Shamrock wasn't on the show. Like, we just talked about how he was on that in that matchup against the Nation of Domination. So, why not make it a three way?
3: I had no, I never thought about that, dude. Never in a million years would I have thought to put Shamrock in there. And I don't think they really did three ways back then. I could be wrong, but I, I, I don't they know. Had a they had three way on Raw like a week before this, did they? Well, yeah. there you go. So they yeah. so they had it in their minds. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. That's that's a fucking perfectly logical way. At the end of the day, in my opinion, well, yes, that's awesome. And you could have just put Sean over by beating Shamrock and had Brett in the match. Brett screwed Brett, okay? At the end of the day, I hate to fucking say it, yeah. but Brett fucking screwed Brett, okay? It's wrestling. Who the fuck are you... To think, to say, I'm not losing the belt to someone. Fuck off, dude. Shawn Michaels can be a fucking petulant child, piece of shit, all you want. But at the end of the day, yes, Vince didn't fuck Brett that night, in my opinion. Vince fucked Brett when he signed into a 20-year, $1 million-a-year contract that Brett just shook agreement and took, all right? Yeah. And then Vince reneged on it. That's when Vince screwed Brett. But Vince didn't screw him this night. Brett screwed Brett. There were 150 different ways they could have went about it before this night. He literally backed him to a fucking corner. What was he going to do? Let him take his title to fucking WCW? No. He was going to WCW. And again, because Vince did screw Brett backstage with the contract. Brett, why did you sign that contract in the first place? I know you want to be a lifer. Vince is like your second dad. You should have went with Hall and Nash, okay? You should have just went and took the money. Bischoff was offering him. I think it was like $4 million a fucking year. Go! What are you doing? Go! That's more than what some wrestlers make today. Dude, Most wrestlers make today. Like, in 1997. Yeah. What are you doing? But I'll take a 20-year, $1 million a year deal from you, Vince. No. And then they get into a backstage fight, and Sean says, I will never drop the belt to that motherfucker. So, Brett goes, since he won't drop the belt to me, I won't drop the belt to you? Come on, Brett. Come on. You screwed yourself. What was Vince going to do? Let you take the world title live on Nitro and dump it in the garbage like fucking Alondra Blaze? Medusa did? No, bro. They did it the right... I I didn't say what they did is right, but what did you want him to do? I mean,
2: yeah, I feel like you did back... Vince, not you, but Bret Hart no, back no, no. Vince Man yeah, into yeah. the corner, right? So it's like.
4: Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice, Samsung, more wow than ever.
2: Shit, like you, Vince McMahon's priority would be defending his company and his belt, but. All you hear is about the relationship of Vince McMahon and Bret Hart, right? And how it was like a father-son relationship, which brings me to the conspiracy. Was this a work? Look how big Vince McMahon became as a character after this. You know, you always have the, the time on tradition is to put over somebody on your way out. So maybe it wasn't Sean. It was really him putting over Vince McMahon to go on and be the biggest heel in the business on there his way out. So, I don't know, I, I wouldn't be surprised And I know I'm not, like, the only one who has this opinion there's, there's been interviews with people like Scott Hall Who says the same thing And you cannot tell me that with the history and the friendship of Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels That Shawn Michaels would hold this fucking secret from Scott Hall If it was a work, you know what I mean? So why would Scott Hall, of all people, be saying, oh, that was 100% a work?
3: Well, they say the only people who knew about it Alright, not Vince Russo the only people who knew about it was Vince, Patterson, Briscoe, because Briscoe was going to be there to shoot on Bret Hart if fucking he attacked Sean after the match. That's why Briscoe walked him out. If you watch it, Briscoe walked yeah. him out. I've done a lot of like, I'm a loser. I-, I fucking read a lot or read listened a lot about this shit. The only I'm people right who, were, yeah, that's why we're here. The only people who supposedly knew about this was Vince, Briscoe, Patterson, Sean. Hunter, and then they told Earl Hebner the day of the show that once you get out there, you're gonna say that Brett tapped, which is why the second Earl calls her the belt, watch what he does. Jack runs, yes, runs his brother. Dave already had the car running and waiting for him. Earl's bag was in the car. He ran out of the arena. Okay. So yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe Denir. You're right, Deener. It very, very well could be a work. But was that? Because you're right. Vince went on TV What not long after it said professional wrestling is a business, fucking something's happened blah, 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 and then the Mr. McMahon thing really took off, right? Isn't that when that happened? Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're right. You may not be wrong, bro. And then Bret's in the ring WCW I mean, again, if it ain't a work, you can't let that man take your fucking title to the, to the competition, especially at that point. I think they were still that was during the 83 weeks still, right? Yeah. So, I mean, come on. A three
2: weeks, weeks doesn't snap until uh McFoley beats The Rock for the title. Oh, so that's so,
3: 98. Yeah,
2: yeah. So 99, it's 99. That's on. early
3: 99. That's January 99. Oh yeah, so it's still going on. It, so because... you're gonna let that man take so even a to work, you're going let that man take the belt. I mean in triple H do obviously. Sorry, I, I didn't include yeah. him, but you triple H and Sean. People actually say that it was Triple H's idea. That he was sitting there and well, saying, Well, Triple H said that. Well, hey. Why even,
2: you... uh, yeah, he said in his DVD. He's like, Well, if he doesn't want to do uh, the, the the job, then fuck him. Take the title from him. So it's like, everyone says it. Vince was said, I called Vince McMahon, bro, and I said, Just take the title from him, bro. <laughs> like, everybody has to say, like, they all say, it was that goes,
3: You fucking piece of shit. You aren't in the fucking room.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's like, everyone says it was them. But, like, Like I said, my thing for thinking that it was a work is Shawn Michaels and Scott Hall have such a great relationship. Why would Shawn Michaels hold that from his good friend Scott Hall? You know what I mean? And then on top of that, the whole Wrestling With Shadows DVD comes out or uh, movie comes out, documentary, whatever, right? It comes out. They allow cameras now. It was – sneaked backstage, but they had the full conversation between Bret Hart and Vince McMahon after the show happened. I don't know, have you ever seen uh, Wrestling with Shadows?
3: Yep, yep, yep.
2: Yeah, so it's like all this shit, right? They have footage there, and the WWF would not allow Bret Hart to be shooting a documentary about himself documenting that night if they knew what they were going to do to him. You know what I mean? They knew they were going to do this. This wasn't a, all right. the match is going on, we still have a finish, like, fuck it, just do it they came up with this idea going into the show. So why would you allow him to be shooting a documentary about himself in this show? And then on top of that, that black guy that Vince McMahon was sporting the next night on raw, that shit look hella fake. I don't know if you <laughs> ever had a black guy, but that shit doesn't look like fucking eyeliner like that. Like no, these, that shit looked like makeup a hundred percent. So I don't know. Like I, I want to believe it's real. Like, I don't want to be, be one of these people like, oh, it's a work. It's a work. Because, like, I understand there is real shit that happens in wrestling. And I want to be – I want to believe it. But it's like there's so much evidence that says against that. You wouldn't have the camera still on showing uh, Bret Hart, like you said, doing spitting WCW. Shit. Yeah, spitting on him. Like, you would not have that footage. There's been so many things that went wrong or wasn't supposed to be seen and WWE quickly cuts the footage. You don't see it. You know what I mean? So why is there cameras running where Bret Hart's doing WCW in the ring when he's spitting on him, when he's throwing the tantrum, breaking the announce table and shit, throwing the monitors? That Why is there cameras rolling at that point?
3: You know what I mean? So, so De Niro, let me ask you then. I, I think I already know the answer, but do you think that the rest of the locker room knew that – knew it, thought it was real, or did nope. they – No. Nope. All right. I All think right. they worked the boys. So you <laughs> think it was like Vince, Bret, Sean – Maybe even Earl, or maybe they even told Earl, like maybe they, Earl doesn't even know.
2: I don't know. I, I think it, it was basically, look, you know, you're going to leave, but we need something that's going to catapult us to the next fucking error. So there's no way you could tell me that Miss McMahon was not already gearing up for the Mr. McMahon character. We see the interactions with him and Stone Cold on the show, and you see like he's trying to like push Stone Cold the buttons, and you already see some sort of like a heel coming out of Vince McMahon. And then, if you want to go back to the uh, old footage, I don't know if you ever saw Vince McMahon as a heel for US uh, PW in Memphis no. when he was accompanying, um, I think it was uh, Jerry the King Waller, when Jerry the King Waller was already with. The WWF, he went back to Memphis and Vince McMahon was his manager and he was a heel, basically playing the Mr. McMahon character, right? Doing all this. You already see signs of this. Like, this is the perfect opportunity to catapult that character. And, like I said, you know, usually you put somebody over on the way out. What better way of putting someone over than making the biggest fucking heel in the business? And I can understand if there was real life heat between him and Shawn Michaels. Like, I believe that was real. I believe they really didn't like each other. But, you know, you could. Put Vince McMahon over without putting Sean over so I think that it was all a work I mean it's hard and I know people look at me like oh you're wilding for that like it was the biggest fucking story but you don't allow some of these things to happen unless it was a work like I said you don't allow cameras to be on showing you spitting on the boss's face and at the time people thought Vince was just the commentator it was very rarely that Vince was even talked about as the boss but then now going back and watching this week by week, you see the buildup on this. You see how uh, Vince McMahon will be saying something on commentary like, "Oh, what's going to happen between Stone Cold and Owen Hart?" And then Jared gives that like sly comment, "Well, you would know you wrote the show." Like they're throwing shit in like that because they're building up to something bigger, and this is what catapulted that character from going forward. So I think that there's a strong possibility that Bret Hart and Vince McMahon were in cahoots to, "Hey, you'll go your separate ways," but on your way out, you got to help us because that's basically what helped the WWF and the attitude ever even like start getting momentum was the McMahon character versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's the next big
3: thing we see here. It's the biggest wrestling feud of all time. Mr. McMahon (laughs) is the biggest heel of all time. So, yo, I I don't think you're wrong by any means, dude. I've, I've heard theories. I don't disagree with them. I definitely don't disagree with you. I, I I got. I got nothing. I got nothing to disagree with. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't a work, as I said, Brett screwed. Brett, one hundred percent. I don't know. Like, get off your
2: fucking high horse. Like, in what world do you think that I could take your title to the competition? After we already see someone throw the fucking title in the trash. After you've seen like Hall and Nash go over there and fucking. Eric Bischoff just trashing Missing Man and slandering his name. Like, why would that even be a possibility in your head if this is real?
3: They even like, showed in the promos leading up to this Shawn Michael's calling him fucking Mr. Markety Mark Mark. Like, he is a fucking mark for fucking <laughs> himself and shit. Like, yeah. who the fuck do you think you are? Are you that – You? I get you love the business. Are you that a, big of a mark for yourself? You can't fucking lose the belt? Fuck off, Brett. God. God There's damn, so many fuck. things like – him saying, oh, well, I
2: was willing to lose it on Raw to Michaels. I just didn't want to lose it in Montreal. And then and there's other stories. I just didn't want to lose it to Sean. I, I would have did a DQ finish or something. It's like, I don't know, man. Like, you know I love my heart.
3: It's Goldberg's Wait, go fault. It's Goldberg's <laughs> fault. He's the one who did this shit.
2: Yeah, fuck you, Goldberg. <laughs> Motherfucker. Nah, man, like for sure – But, yeah, I'm right there with you. At this time, like, I was the biggest Shawn Michaels fan. Like, I wanted to be Shawn Michaels when I was fucking younger. Like, I had the – you remember that you would sell, like, the little red gloves and the glasses and shit? Like, I have pictures of me, like, four years old, doing the fucking pose and all that. So, I was on Team Shawn anyway. So, whatever. It just sucks because going back and watching all this, I became a bigger Bret Hart fan than I was when I was younger. And now I know that's probably over because his WCW run was fucking trash. And – now we're about to head into that, which we won't even been seeing for like the rest of this year in WCW. It's like Star he makes his debut, which is another stupid decision why WCW the next day didn't put Bret Hart on their fucking television. That would have been the most logical thing to do. Biggest wrestling story in the world right now. The guy's a free agent. He's going to your company. He's signed to you. You have the money to bring him into whatever fucking place. I don't know where they are the next day. But you have the money to fly him in. Like, Why not have him come out? Give him a live microphone. He could air his grievances about Vince McMahon. WCW dropped the ball royally on Bret Hart.
3: Dude, they're they, that might have been outside of the finger poke of doom. That might have been like their biggest fucking misstep, dude. It's crazy how bad they missed with Bret, Bret Hart. Like you said, you have him on the next night fucking trashing the company about why I left. You fucking screwed me. I'm here now. And you know who I want? I want Hulk Hogan. You've always fucking thought you're bigger than me. You fucking, you think you're better than me. Fuck you. I want you. He, you know, you don't have to go beat Hogan. The NWO screws him out of the match. You still get Hogan Sting, at Starcade. And then you get Bret Hart fucking Scott Hall or Bret Hart Kevin Nash, Or I don't know whoever the fuck was in the NWO at that time. You can have another Brett. Fuck Kurt Heading. It doesn't fucking matter. But you could have a different fucking Bret Hart feud than him just being a ref eight weeks fucking later, dude. Come on, man. Bret Hart, Ric Flair. Bret Hart, Ric Flair. There is so... Bret Hart, Randy Savage. Savage, there you go. There's your answer. Like, there's so many fucking people that you could have had feud with Bret Hart right away. He Bret Hart says, I want Hogan. The NWO cost him the match. Boom. Like, uh, it's fucking brutal, dude.
2: And the bullshit is he wasn't even supposed to be the referee of the matchup for Hogan and Sting. That was later on, like in the night, it was like because the referee gets knocked out, Bret Hart comes out. He was signed as the referee for fucking Eric Bischoff versus Larry Zabisco. Like, uh, I mean, That's the that's spot you're bringing right. Bret Hart in. That's fucking that's right. Bro. Uh, I don't get it, man. I don't get it at all. Like WCW made so many stupid-ass decisions. Like – and that's another thing. Like I said, like going back, watching raw, knowing that brought not going to be on it. It's kind of sad. Cause he was such a big part of the show, but like, this is also going into the time period where WCW starts fumbling the ball because of the stupid decisions. Like I'm watching how good they are right now with having guys like Eddie Guerrero and Jericho and Mysterio. But I know that as we go on in the days or in the weeks, it's going to start getting worse and worse and worse as raw is going to get better and better and better. So it's the only like one problem with going back in time already, knowing what happened is you know that shit's about to get pretty bad for WCW, which kind of sucks because I'm gonna sit through it any fucking way. <laughs> but yeah, man, like I, I definitely enjoyed the show. I had a lot of fun watching virus series. But I had to give a star rating for this. I would give it a three out of five. Um a lot of fun shit on it, but they, there was some matches that were kind of like skippable for me. Um besides that, like, I feel like the show ended really strong with Kane versus Mankind, the uh, Nation of Domination versus Legion of Doom, uh, Ken Shamrock and Ahmed Johnson. Stone Cold and Owen Hart was a fucking awesome moment. And then you had a great matchup, but with a really shitty ending with Brett and Sean. So, overall, I'd say three out of five.
3: Yeah, I'm a little more uh, lenient, more positive. I get like a seven, seven and a half out of ten. I guess that equates to like a three and a half out of five ish three and two quarters it was solid it was a solid solid show for sure like you just said you hit on all the major points I thought the, the main event itself was dope and even if we didn't know about the Montreal screw it could have been like a, a good ending if it continued it but naturally you know, we, we know what happened there but I like how Shamrock got his moment for sure Rock's coming out party Kane's debut Steve Blackman's debut fucking the three faces of Foley was fucking cool as shit dude a lot of good stuff on the show
2: most definitely, man. And I'm glad that you joined me to talk about this show because, like I said, I, I knew it was going to be a stacked lineup with Crown Jewel and this, and I thought, hey, perfect opportunity to have Tim on.
3: So thank you so much my for man. joining me. Dude, thanks for the invite. i always come out here, chill with you, fucking wrestling DeLorean, bro. Fucking love hanging out with you, De Niro. Appreciate the invite, I my man. Too,
2: man. Of course, man. I appreciate you. So I know this is like, the 10th time you've been on the show, but still let the people know where to find floor slapper sports and the wrestling index.
3: I'll always plug baby plug it away, plug it away. But yeah, you can I'll find plug. me TK wrestling index podcast force on floor slapper sports, YouTube floor, all major audio platforms and the visionary global media network floor slapper sports. All right. Floorslappersports.com. What that is you like, you like sports, obviously football, NBA, fantasy football, MLB, predictions galore, and wrestling. Four days. And we even got a new fantasy wrestling league that's going to be featured on there. So check out Mm floorcibersports.com for all your sports and wrestling needs. De Niro, it's fucking a pleasure, bro. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, man. I appreciate you being here. It's always a pleasure having you on um hopefully you'll be back on soon i want to catch you on one of these wednesday episodes because i want you to watch some ecw with me man because there's a lot of fun shit coming up with ecw so hopefully one of these yeah for sure man but definitely hit that subscribe button wrestling delorean podcast circle debate a lot of content coming out monday wednesday friday for wrestling delorean tuesday wednesday thursday friday for circle debate um catch me here on wednesday with Another episode of ECW Hardcore TV. And we'll be talking about tonight's Monday Night Raw. So a lot of fun shit coming up. I love you guys. Tim, once again, thank you so much. I appreciate you on me. Check us out. Hit that subscribe button. Floor Stop for Sports. Wrestling Index. Circle Debate. Wrestling DeLorean. Peace out, y'all. Love you.